This episode is brought to you by State Farm. If you're a small business owner, you know that it isn't just your business, it's your life. And whatever your business might be, you want someone who understands. That's why you might want to check out State Farm Small Business Insurance. Why? Because State Farm agents are small business owners too, living and working in your community. That means they know what it takes to help you personalize your policies for your small business needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. Welcome to Recode Media with Peter Kafka. That is me, and today we have an excellent interview you can listen to for free, as always. But I do have an ask from you. More specifically, I want you to ask me a question. Get it? See? And I will try to answer that question in an upcoming mailbag episode of the show. We've done this before. They are fun. You will like it, I guarantee, or your money back. So you ask me about anything, you mail it to me at peter at recode.net, and I'll answer in a bit. Okay, now on to antitrust law. Wait, 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 don't go anywhere. This stuff is interesting. And if you care at all about media and tech, it's important because lots of media and tech companies would like to merge and or buy things. And Joe Biden and Lena Khan, his antitrust enforcer, have other ideas. The problem for Khan is that she's been trying to stop the likes of Microsoft and Meta in court, and she has been losing those battles. So what does that mean for other big companies that want to get bigger and for anyone who wants to stop that? I've got an excellent person on to walk us through all of that, Cecilia Kong who covers tech and politics and regulation for the New York Times. So let's hear from Cecilia and me right now. Joe Biden did not run his presidential campaign on the idea that big tech shouldn't get bigger. But since he was elected, his administration has been trying to rein in big tech. And right now it is not going well. Joining us to talk about that is Cecilia Kong, who covers tech and politics for the New York Times. Welcome, Cecilia. Hey, Peter. Thanks for having me. Lena Khan is not the only person Joe Biden has assigned to, to slow down big tech, rein it in, make it less big. But she is the most prominent person. She's increasingly under attack. Remind us of her background, what she does, and what's been happening recently in Lena Khan's world. Yeah, so Lena Khan is the chair of the Federal Trade Commission, which is a sort of smaller agency in Washington that people normally don't care about that much, except for the fact that it is the agency sort of that polices commerce. And as part of its mandate, it polices competition in the economy. And so she is the top person, along with some others in government, but she's really the the most notable top person, the face of antitrust. And the one, um, along with uh, an individual who's the head of antitrust at the DOJ, who decides whether big mergers should be approved or blocked. And her background is really interesting. And part of the reason why she gets so much attention is because her background is so unusual. She's very young. She's in her mid-30s. And she came essentially into this field of antitrust um, while she was a law student at Yale. And she wrote a paper that became quite famous in the very esoteric world of antitrust where she argued that Amazon was potentially an illegal monopoly for the way that it conducted its marketplace um, and how it was alleged in her eyes, allegedly squashing competition with smaller sellers. So her whole idea was that, look, antitrust has normally been judged and um, rev- and deals are reviewed by whether prices go up or prices, you know, or and if that's bad for consumers. 
But I'm here to tell you that there's a different way that we should be thinking about antitrust when it comes to the tech sector, because so many of these companies like Google and Amazon and Facebook or Meta offer services that are free or cheaper sometimes than competitors. So let's just put aside the idea that consumer prices are the most important metric when it comes to competition analysis. And I believe that we should be thinking about other things um, related to competition that have nothing to do with necessarily consumer prices, but in the end affect consumers. She got she she was she was described as the hipster antitrust person. Yes, a, yes, like, yes. Only an antitrust would you describe her as a hipster. <laughs> uh, the New Yorker did a nice profile of her. We talked about her a couple of years ago, and from the jump, it seemed pretty clear that she was going to have an uphill battle because, as you say, she was proposing a new idea, one that the traditional laws and and, and the way the courts operated wasn't really recognized. So, what has happened since she's been in office? Yeah. So since she's been appointed chair of the FTC, she's taken on some really big cases and has been trying to stop big mergers, um, particularly um, across the economy, really. But the ones that are most notable that I care about, and I think that you care about quite a bit, are in tech. And so she has challenged um, a slightly smaller deal, which was Meta's acquisition of a VR app known as Within. And she has challenged, most notably, Microsoft's $69 billion acquisition of Activision. Huge, huge deal. And she's also taken on some monopoly cases, one being the um, a case against Meta, formerly known as Facebook, and allegations that it acquired its uh, a monopoly in social media by killing off small nascent competitors at the time, which were Instagram and WhatsApp. It's a really, it's a really sort of, you know, um, novel idea that she has. Um, and that's right now winding through the courts. And she is, from what we understand in our reporting, um, has been investigating Amazon for quite some time um, with a lot of the same theories that she brought to that law paper that I mentioned um, years ago. And we could probably see some sort of a case, a lawsuit against Amazon coming in the not so distant future. So the 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 Facebook Meta within case basically dead, right? They they tried to stop uh, they tried to stop Meta. Yes, they lost. They gave up. They gave up. And and I remember and I wrote about this at the time that that I was talking to folks at Meta and they said, you know, we can't. We know we can't go buy anything related to social networking. We couldn't buy Twitter if we wanted to, for or even a small thing. Um, but we can buy VR stuff because there is no VR market, and there's a lot of people trying to create it, and we're one of many. And then, kind of, basically, right after I wrote that, Lena Khan said, "Actually, I don't want you to buy this relative. It's five hundred million dollar acquisition of a VR company. Most people haven't heard of." which took a lot of folks by surprise. So they they lost that case. Um, they haven't formally lost the Activision case, but they've lost most of it. It looks like that is going to go through. They say they're still going to challenge it. Besides the fact that it isn't going well, is there some commonality to, to how these cases are proceeding? Is there some underlying problem or are they specific to each case? No, I mean, I think the one thing that's that both of those cases have in common is that She's going after what we know in the tech world as the stack and how companies and all tech companies are, are doing this. They're, they understand that they have to build vertically in order to become um, sturdy and resilient in the future and also to become bigger and more 
powerful and more, you know, richer. So um, that is just like the business model in Silicon Valley. So you have like companies like Microsoft that has the cloud and then they have applications like software. And then now they have the gaming um, consoles and, you know, so they just grow bigger and bigger um, in ver- what's known as vertical markets, like supply chains. They want to own like this whole supply chain. Mm-hmm. And both of these deals where, whereas ostensibly it looks like they're buying companies that don't directly compete with them and an antitrust law, that's typically an A-OK green light thing to do. Right. Vertical is supposed to be okay. Horizontal, where you're already in one business, you buy someone who's doing the same thing that you're doing, that's supposed to set off a red flag. Correct. Correct. And that's that's why vertical cases are so rare. The last time the government took on a big vertical case was when it, in the last administration, tried to stop AT&T's acquisition of Time Warner, and the government lost. Mm-hmm. And before that, the biggest case was AT&T and basically breaking up, you know, AT&T's monopoly. That was decades ago. So it's really rare. And the reason why it's hard to win is for that very reason. It's on the surface. It doesn't look like these companies directly compete. And any arguments of future anti-competitive practices are hard to prove by economists. And, you know, antitrust law and antitrust cases it's all about economists duking it out over their their models and theories. Mm-hmm. And it's really hard to project into the future whether there will be um, competition lost. So, and it's especially hard in tech, right? When when Facebook bought Instagram for a billion dollars, it seemed like a crazy p- price to pay for a photo sharing app with filters. Who cared? It seemed like maybe Facebook overpaid. It's now maybe one of the two biggest engines at Facebook. It's supposedly their fu- or one of their futures. Um, and part of her argument is, especially with these smaller acquisitions, is, is if we keep letting you buy these things that don't look like anything now, we'll be screwed in the future and then we can't unwind it. Or, you know, it's very hard to unwind it after. Them. Yeah, totally, Peter. And I, I think that's the other commonality is that in both cases, she's thinking about future markets. And that requires new thinking or at least more expansive thinking of antitrust law. I mean, her argument has always been like, I'm not asking you necessarily to change the laws. Like, you know, that would be good. I do believe that the law should be changed. But in lieu of that, let's just like use existing case law, but like think of using existing antitrust law, but think about things differently. Let's overturn what's known very like very in the weeds, I know here, but is known as like the Chicago School of Antitrust, which is essentially that consumer welfare should be like the most important thing back to that consumer prices mm-hmm. thing. And that's what she's trying to fight is the way that people think about antitrust law. And so like tech is like, you know, it's it's a it's a real difficult industry to to police um, in terms of competition in her mind. Because of these these things we talked about, and also because um, this industry is is so fast moving, and she believes that you have to move, and there are, and things like network effects, essentially the scale you have and how many people use you, play so heavily into tech and not necessarily in other businesses. And, and again, I mean, the, I'm not going to go super far in the weeds about Chicago and the Federalist Society, and 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 but there's a lot of folks who say, look, this has always been a, a flawed lens. But part of her argument with tech is like it particularly doesn't work here because so many of the products are free ostensibly to consumers. So means you could basically never police a Facebook or a Google if this stuff is free and ad supported, doesn't cost me anything. Um, Or if it's something like Amazon, where for a long time, they're demonstrably lowering prices, that seems like a good thing that doesn't work. 
she knew all this going in. She knew all the challenges going in, um, was pretty explicit about the fact that, look, the laws we have today don't work. I also don't believe that we're going to change antitrust law in Congress anytime soon because look at I Congress. I think you're right on that bet, yeah. They're not doing anything. And I also know that these court cases are going to be a challenge and that I, you know, I probably won't succeed in them. And that's the part where I get a little lost, because if she knew she was unlikely to succeed because of established law, what did she think was going to happen when she went into court and said, I know that according to the laws you guys are paying attention to, this this merger should go through, but I have a new idea. What did she think was going to happen? So I think that there's a bit of a nuance here where she thought that she had a good shot, potentially, at winning in the courts. It wasn't just, I'm going to scare you off from doing these deals because you know I'm going to litigate it. And there's, I think it's a, lo- a little bit of both, actually. And she thought we, she generally thinks that the federal government has been way too timid when it comes to trying to break up or trying to block mergers. She thinks that basically that these enforcement agencies, like the one that she now chairs, has been way too soft on um, and scared of filing lawsuits and, and going after these deals. And that's been at the detriment of the economy. So she came in saying, you got to be bolder. We've got to be tougher cops. That's the number one thing. And that requires going after lawsuits that we normally wouldn't have and taking a bet on what we believe are the right principles. We may lose. As you said, Peter, she's always known that that's a risk that she will lose. But she said, even if we do, there can be, there are some like victories in doing that. And the number one would be, it makes Congress look at the limits of the laws that are in place and Congress, and it it will potentially move Congress to actually introduce legislation with reforms. That's a big if. Like you're going to fall on your sword, but in doing so, falling on your sword is the wrong metaphor, but you're, you're, you're going to fail, but in failing, you're going to achieve a victory down the line. It's like when Obi-Wan Kenobi gets cut down by Darth Vader. and But that assumes that Congress is going to go, oh, Lena Khan is on to something. We should, you know, we should fix the law so she doesn't lose this next one. That seems, again, given, you know, if you know any, if you pay remote attention to American politics, that seems impossible. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, like slightly in her defense, the job she had before she arrived at the FTC was actually as a senior staff member in Congress. She was in the House Judiciary Committee and she was working on an antitrust investigation of big tech. And she saw tons of bipartisan support for like just like this for for legislation, but also mm-hmm. for like just generally agreement on both sides of the aisle that big tech was a problem. Right, but they wouldn't they didn't agree on what the problem was, which is why we still haven't done anything, right? Exactly. Like, you know, the they agreed that on the Republican side that that big tech censored them. <laughs> and, then, and then but Democrats were more focused on the disinformation problem and things like yeah. that. So they totally just so there was there was just a lot of noise in Congress that might you know, that might be mistaken for like movement. Um, but you're absolutely right. I mean, that's the big missing piece here is that even if you lose, maybe Congress will move. That's that. That's what's her theory. But that's a lot of ifs and maybes. And what we're seeing is absolutely no, like we're seeing stag, you know, like stasis. We'll be back with Cecilia Kong for the New York Times in a minute. But first, a word from a sponsor. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You've heard it before. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. 
But it's more than just a tagline. Because State Farm agents are small business owners themselves who live and work in your community. And if you're in the market for small business insurance, who better to work with than an agent who understands what it takes? State Farm agents can help you create a personalized insurance plan that fits your small business needs and budget. Talk to your local State Farm agent today about small business insurance. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. So there's stasis. She's been losing. What what are the ramifications of that? Politically, she's getting hauled in front of Congress. The Republicans teed off on her earlier. That's That, I assume, is just sort of, you know, showmanship. Doesn't really matter. What are the practical effects of her not succeeding to date? Well, the most practical effect is that companies that had been a little bit timid and afraid that if they brought a big deal before the FTC that she now runs, that they just would be challenged and 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 potentially lose in court. And now they're feeling more emboldened that, okay, well, the courts are kind of on our side. That's kind of counterproductive, though. It's not just that it hasn't been successful. She's the theory is she's now encouraging these folks to say, fuck it. Uh, let's go for it. You know, we got lawyers. We're, we're probably going to win. Let's go. Yeah, I think there's that. I think that they, like, you know, one person from the industry was saying, like, you know, now like she's viewed as like a she and the agency is viewed as like a pipe, a paper tiger. It's sort of like, you know, why wouldn't I go for it now? So that's the most practical. The other is that, um, you know, these judges can point to these decisions um, in Microsoft Activision and Meta Within to say, like, with cases that may have a lot of parallels as their footnotes in their opinions to block, to allow those mergers to go through too. So it's like she's building, like, the one thing that she wanted to do, Peter, was to build case law, at least to slightly tweak interpretations of the law mm-hmm. so that you have judges that will say something like, we disagree with this, but we actually agree with you, FTC, on this and this and this. And she was hoping that those that that sort of those opinions would be developed into some sort of case law that could be used later. But she could be establishing pace, case law and, and, and new precedents that work against this agenda yeah. she has. You said, I, I care about tech, and I do. I cover, care about tech and media. The media companies for a while have been looking to consolidate, and they kind of haven't been for a few reasons, but it's not because of legal reasons. And But one, one sort of belief that a lot of folks had was that you won't see tech companies buying these distressed media assets. You know, Bob Iger put up a big chunk of Disney for sale. Uh, this month. And up until recently, you would have said, well, we know who's not going to buy it, the tech guys, because there's no way politically that they're going to, they just don't want to touch that. It's going to be, it's going to be too difficult. Is that calculus? I mean, there's also business reasons for them not wanting to buy linear TV, for instance, but, but do you see that, that thinking changing that the deals, not just that people who wanted to merge are more likely to do so, but mergers that didn't seem possible um, are now more more possible. Um, that's what I hear um, from the industry, uh, and I hear that um, you know. Do I know of a deal that's imminent? No, but I think Microsoft is a roadmap. I they bought a content company that's mm-hmm. like you know and huge, and um, they are also the company that's been least least targeted. Not it's not a coincidence. One, they got sued by the federal government twenty years, thirty, twenty, twenty years ago. Um, were chastened, and then have also worked really hard in the last decade plus to say there's a problem with tech, and it's not us; it's everyone else. 
Um, so it's not surprising that they're the least targeted, but still, like you said, it's, it's them going, yep, we're going to buy this content. Yeah. And, and, you know, and it was super bold and if they were going to, you know, they knew, I mean, like kudos to like, you know, from the, a lobbyist perspective, you have to kind of look at how Microsoft operates and, and, um, and see that they were pretty masterful. They save their their big punches for when it matters, and they're very engaged in Washington and lobbying. And this was a deal that mattered because it really brings in a completely new channel for them of revenue, and it all ties into their whole bigger strategy of cloud and gaming and like everything. So yeah, they're they're a roadmap um, for other companies, and as you noted, there is um, a growing you know schism between you know tech and media in terms of you know, how well they're doing. So there's so many distressed media assets out there. I think it's kind of, you know, inevitable, you know, that you'll see, especially these kinds of vertical mergers, because they're just the courts have have not swayed from decades long, um, uh, you know, sort of permissive decisions on vertical mergers. Um, some White House questions, and this is a world that I really don't understand at all. Um, first of all, it's, you know, Joe Biden could be out of office uh, a year and a half, right? Um, is there a sense, first of all, is what has happened to her standing within the White House that it hasn't been successful? And is there a sense that, you know, either she or the Biden administration wants to move really quickly to try to get something done while they still can? Yeah, I think she's um, she's still quite popular and supported. Um, especially within what's known as the more progressive, as you said, some might call the hipster antitrust crowd. I wouldn't say that, but some people say that, but like the more progressive, like left leaning, long term vision, thinking of like just basically let's flip the table on antitrust, um, point of view. That's, she's still incredibly popular. Um, and she, like the White House came, um, to her defense after the Microsoft Activision, um, opinion by a judge to not stall, to not hold up the deal um, with a statement saying they support her and they think she's done great work. And I think it was incredibly indicative, um, like there was very revealing that just this week or just last week, um, there was a an announcement by the White House, the Department of Justice and the FTC. So that means including Lena Khan on um on even tougher guidelines for how they're going to approach mergers. Um, this is some really in the weed stuff, and I'm not going to bore your audience with it. But essentially, they came up with a bullet point list of the way that like how they're going to judge whether they stop or approve mergers. And there are just a ton more guidelines that are specific to the tech industry that includes things like labor that's never been included as well. Um, network effects, nascent competition platforms, like that's like basically saying we're not backing down. And this was a joint announcement with the the White House. So she's supported for sure. And, and that's the other question I have is, you know, uh, we, we followed the 2016 campaign over at Recode slash Fox. And what are they, what is Joe Biden saying about tech? He's never talked about tech while he was campaigning. I think maybe once he said something that two third section 230, a whole other discussion needs to be revised. But you would not have gotten any sense from him in any of his public statements that he really wanted to see, you know, Microsoft unable to buy a game platform or whatever it was. Is this something that he personally is passionate about? And if not, who in the White House or who in who in politics is convincing him to spend, you know, really precious political capital going after this stuff? Yeah, I don't have a sense that he is specifically interested in Internet companies. 
um, and the and Silicon Valley, uh, the, some of the minutia that we're discussing. He's very interested in the battle, the industrial policy battles between the U.S. and China, and that trickles down to like chip supply chains and stuff like that. But um, this is, um, I think, within the White House, there's a strong feeling in his National Economic Council, the NEC, that as pr- the the economic agenda has to c- include a progressive sort of new New Deal approach to um, um, and trust busting idea to antitrust and competition. Not only do I think that it's just fact, they announced that, you know, that that's like mm-hmm. part of what they call Bidenomics. And the big picture takeaway from that is if you don't curb concentration of power across industries, you won't have equality within the in the country. You will continue to have inequities that in the labor market, um, geographies, in wages, all these problems that we're seeing, particularly ex- um, exaggerated in the tech economy. And so this is all swept into this bigger idea of this bigger agenda known as Bidenomics, which is to basically spread the goods and to bring, to lift up more um, economies like geographical economies that are have have not enjoyed the boom of like some of the coastal cities that have so it's it's part of a bigger strategy is it the top is it the top item is it even within the top 10 things that the white house has to think about when i say it meaning big tech and mm-hmm. antitrust is it one of the top 10 items that they discuss every morning in their meeting i don't think so not at all but is it, it but does it also help with their political base? This is sort of more political um, discussion. Right, right. Absolutely. Because there's a general, we can't articulate why we don't like big tech, and depending where you sit in the political spectrum, like we said earlier, you have different criticisms of big tech, and you may really like individual big tech companies, and most of them are pretty popular. I think Meta is the one real exception there. But I'm, I'm sort of for a general, you know, go get Silicon Valley. Yeah, I'm for I'm for this idea that these companies have become too powerful, too big, you know, and um, and um, and and I mean, this is like, like legitimate stuff that you know when I when I in terms of like all the consumer polls, I hear that yes, some of these companies are quite popular in some ways, but there's generally a concern in you know you see all these polls about certain tech companies shouldn't continue to grow, um, that mm-hmm. there should be more competition, like more of a pathway for startups, that kind of a thing. So. It's a popular idea with a lot, not a lot of downside. And just remind us of the, the 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 remaining big cases on the docket. There's a DOJ ongoing DOJ multiple uh, suits against Google. That's the DOJ. That's not her Ballywick. There's the Facebook stuff, part of which she inherited from Trump, um, and then revised. So those are going on. Um, you think Amazon is coming? Yes, I think so. They've been working uh, on it forever. Yeah, they took a swing at Microsoft, failed basically, uh, and Apple doesn't seem to come up in these discussions. Although there's a lot of people I talk to say, if you really want to go after antitrust, you should really crack down on what Apple does with its App Store because it really, it really um, prevents lots of people from doing interesting stuff in tech because Apple owns that platform and you have to go by their rules. But it doesn't seem like there's any movement to, to curtail that. Well, there's been a long investigation at the DOJ on Apple and the App Store, um, you know, and um, it's been a little quiet. The last that I had heard, which was a little while ago, I need more updated information, was that it was sort of fits and starts. Um, they have so much of their 
staff focused on the two Google cases once, you know, including the ad tech case, which is, as you know, it's a super hairy case because ad tech is so complicated. Um, so they have a ton of people to focus on that. So Apple's in there. It's just, it's kind of, you know, TBD on, on what they actually do. Um, similarly to the Amazon investigation at the FTC. So those are the, those are the big ones. And they just started and they're starting other ones too. Like they started an investigation of open AI, artificial intelligence. So there's, there's a lot of like activity, um, with very limited resources, frankly, within these agencies to actually conduct these investigations. Yeah, I mean, if I'm big tech, right, I go from the start, I've, I've already got an advantage on you because I have essentially unlimited funds. Um, and now you're spreading yourself thin. So so go for it. See, like, this is so overdue. I'm glad we did it. Uh, let's have you back on. Thanks for having me, Peter. Great seeing you. Thank you. Thanks again to Cecilia. Thanks again to Joe Lee and Jelani for editing and producing this show. To our sponsors for bringing it to you for zero dollars and for you guys for listening and for sending me a question for our upcoming mailbag episode at peter at recode.net. This is Recode Media. See you next week.